I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director Rick Parrish to discuss Forrester's predictions for customer experience in 2023. Welcome, Rick. Thanks so much. Good to be here. Good to have you, Rick. CX is such a big part of what we do. And behind CX is, of course, our CX index. Um, it's always a great input to kind of teeing up predictions for your crew. Uh, just to put things in the context, uh, can we just reflect a little bit on 2022 and what some of the CX index results said that may have driven some of these predictions this year? Uh, sure. So in 2022, we saw the first overall decline in CX quality that we've seen since 2017. Uh, since then, the average quality of the customer experience has been creeping upward every year, including uh, during the depths of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then uh, in this year, we saw a, a decline, not a precipitous decline, but a, um, a real uh, practical decline in CX quality across uh, most industries that we study. And what was the driver of that? What were you seeing in there? Uh, well, we are seeing, uh, if, we, if we look at the, the drivers of CX quality, we see uh, performance on some of the key drivers creeping downward. Uh, and when that happens, Usually what, uh, uh, what companies say is, well, of course, uh, customer expectations are, are skyrocketing and we can't possibly keep up with customer expectations. Um, however, that's not really uh, the core of what's going on here. Uh, remember, as I said a moment ago, uh, CX scores continue to increase and in fact hit historic highs in the depth of the pandemic when customer expectations were changing more profoundly than they have probably in living memory. So companies could clearly keep up with changing customer expectations. What happened is that uh, companies decided to uh, rest on their laurels a bit uh, this year, and uh, but customer expectations continue to evolve. And when you get customer expectations evolving, even at a relatively modest pace compared with earlier in the pandemic, if you're a company that's sitting on your laurels, well, uh, customer expectations are going to start to outpace your CX work and the quality of your customer experience is going to decline. So that brings us to the first prediction then, uh, Rick, because you know it seems to be at odds with what you're saying. You're telling me, uh, telling us that you know we need to get back to you know innovating with CX and, and do the good work. But you said that you're predicting in 2023 that one in five CX programs are going to be eliminated. What's behind that? A couple of things are behind it. Uh, first of all, we still see that uh, over half of CX programs are unable to prove that their work has a positive return on investment for the business. 54%. CX is not a new field anymore. Most CX programs are not new anymore, and yet over half still can't prove the ROI of their work. Now, when the economy has been relatively strong, in fact, surprisingly strong uh, earlier in the pandemic, of course, even CX programs that couldn't prove the ROI of their work 
could could skate by on a strong economy, on good corporate earnings, et cetera. But as we move into 2023 with the economic turbulence, companies looking to cut costs, CX programs are not going to be able to skate by on faith anymore. They have to prove that spending on their programs is an investment that has real returns for the business. And when we look at programs that can't do that and other factors, for example, how many, um, frankly, how few companies have uh, great customer experiences as a core part of the brand, what we end up finding is that uh, it looks like by the end of 2023, one in five CX programs, again, primarily those that can't prove the ROI of their work, are, are going to disappear. Some of them will simply be cut. Others will be uh, reorganized back into business lines or, or you know, devolved back, in, back into, into, into other more project-based work. But they're certainly not going to be the robust standalone CX programs uh, that they were at the beginning of 2023. Now, in contrast to that, we're predicting that, so in contrast to that one in five CX programs that are going to disappear, not every CX program is going to be a loser. One in 10 are probably going to be stronger than ever at the end of 2023 because they can prove the positive ROI of everything they do. And they've, they work in companies for which great CX is part of the core identity of the brand. And those are those are going to be those are going to be the real winning CX programs of next year. I want to go back to this point that you're making about CX programs going away. And we have some data that also showcases CX leaders being a little bit more optimistic as they're heading into 2023. So there just seems a little bit of dissonance between our prediction and what CX leaders think or project or predict that, you know, investments coming their way from a budget perspective. Can you talk a little bit to that, Rick? Uh, certainly. Uh, our data shows, and this, this, is, this is pretty recent data. This is data just from, from August, uh, indicating that 82% of CX leaders expect their budgets for next year to expand. 82%. And, and when, when they're expecting budget expansion, they don't just expect it in this one little area, you know, maybe, maybe technology or maybe, uh, you know, personnel. Across the board, they expect project budgets to go up and tech budgets to go up and, and staffing budgets to go up. Um, and, and that is, I think, an unwarranted level of optimism. But I think what's in, what's in CX leaders' heads there is they're looking back at 2020. And they're looking back at the last time there was a sort of crisis around the customer experience, you know, at the beginning of, of, the, of the pandemic. And they're saying, my budget wasn't cut then. In fact, I got more money then. As, as, many, you know, as, as a lot of them did. Uh, and they did good things with it, frankly. Uh, but this is a different environment. This is not that. This is a this is a different potential crisis for CX programs than it was back back in 2020. But I think that's that's one of the things that's feeding into their um, uh, into their optimism. Plus, this idea that those uh, um, those about half of companies, more than half of companies that still can't prove the the return on investment of their work, have been able to skate by for so long, and they figure they'll go ahead and weather this storm too. But that that party's over. 
So, Rick, assuming that those uh, optimistic types, uh, those CX leaders that believe that their budget's going up is the one in 10 that you noted in the first prediction, for the other nine, are you saying that uh, that they're not feeling like they're going to experience what many companies go through in a downturn where you know, budgets are cut, teams are dismantled, uh, resources are confined. Like what's going to happen in 2023 for the other nine that uh, may haven't experienced this downturn? So the, the, the other nine, uh, of course, some portion of them are, are going to be, you know, their, their, their teams are going to be eliminated, if not their roles eliminated by the end of 2023. But there is going to be, there is going to be a middle ground too. Um, for programs that muddle through one way or another with flat budgets. Um, and many of them are going to uh, have to struggle to uh, maintain the strategic level of their work. There's going to be a lot of pressure on these teams to, um, uh, to do more tactical work. And tactical CX work is, is, is certainly important. However, you know, for, those, for those teams stuck in the middle there, just kind of getting by in 2023, they're going to have to make sure that they don't, they don't get locked out of those rooms where the strategic business decisions are getting made. Because having a strong CX strategy um, and being, a, uh, being a, a transformative leader for the company um, is going to still be essential for those CX leaders in those in those companies, and they're going to need to resist the pressures to um, to focus exclusively on the uh, on that admittedly tactical um, important work. So lots of movement in the budgets there. Going into turbulent times like this, and mature practices like CX and marketing and such, you know, usually there's a scramble to say it's like, well, where can we cut cost and we're seeing a lot of clients look at their middle management layers and above and look to consolidate things there. If the most optimistic of CX leaders out there do get good budgets and they do get RI and it proves that they are the chosen leader, um, what kind of things will actually come into those teams? Well, a few things. First of all, uh, those teams are going to uh, be rewarded with a broader scope of work. You know, they are going to be invited to have more strategic influence uh, on their business. Some of those teams are also going to be given ownership over more operational parts of the business, uh, say uh, uh, contact centers, other pieces of customer-facing operations that many of these teams don't um, uh, don't currently control. They're going to be given them, you know, because these teams can prove that they can uh, provide a positive ROI for the business by integrating them more into a holistic approach to um, to CX. Also, the leaders of these uh, these CX organizations are going to see their seniority in the company rise. About twenty five percent of CX leaders currently sit in the C suite. We'll see, you know, from this one in ten of of, of stronger CX orgs, more of them are gonna are gonna join the C suite. And so it's really going to be a uh, an expansion of seniority, of the scope of work uh, that is available to their team, to their budgets, and of course um, a corollary to that to their uh, to their staffing. But uh, for those that aren't fortunate to rise to the top, you have another prediction that says four in five CX teams will lack critical design, data, and journey skills. I'm assuming that. 
um, those who lack those skills are going to get absorbed by somebody else. Uh, where would they go? Um, or the flip side, how can those people that lack all these skills rise to the top and keep their budgets? Sure. We see the lack of these skills, um, uh, design, data, journey skills. We see a lack of those skills uh, across all kinds of CX teams, those who can prove the ROI of their work, those who can't, uh, different governance models, centralized governance, federated governance. We, we see this, uh, as you say, four and five. Uh, 80% of CX teams are, are missing these skills, but these skills are really crucial accelerants to be able to get work done, uh, which is which is obviously going to be extremely vital uh, to, to survive and thrive uh, as a CX program in 2023. And so... The you know the CX programs that um, uh, that are going to be early in the year in a good financial position because they can prove the ROI of their work, et cetera. It's going to be easier for them to fill those gaps, uh, either by hiring additional staff, uh, uh, perhaps from from some of those CX programs that are getting disbanded, or some of the un- unfortunately some of the CX layoffs that uh, we've already started seeing. Uh, or they're going to uh, be able to get the, um, the resources to uh, train up their existing staff uh, on some of these skills. So both of those, both of those models are, uh, are viable, but uh, even CX programs that cannot currently prove the ROI of their work that are going into 2023 in a, in a weaker position uh, um, Obviously, they need to do everything they can to start proving that ROI, and the data skills are are a key piece of that. But um, they shouldn't neglect the design skills, the journey skills, because uh, whether they simply muddle through twenty twenty three with flat budgets, or um, or do manage to um, um, to eke out an additional higher budget uh, in order to capitalize on that to get work done they are going to need to have teams uh, with, these, with these skills. Now, of course, these skills, uh, why do so many teams lack them? Well, some teams lack them because they don't realize they're important, but usually more teams lack them because these skills are scarce in the workforce. And so that means that uh, um, uh, hiring people with these skills is a relatively expensive proposition. And as budgets get tougher to, through 2023, hiring people with those skills is going to get tougher. So my recommendation is if you need to hire people with these skills, hire them now uh, before, uh, before other people snap them up. 2023 just seems like a messy year for the CX leader, dude. Yeah, the messiest year they've seen in a long, long time, <laughs> possibly ever. With all this mess, um, you're also saying that CX differentiation will erode in three-fourths of industries. Tell us more about that. What industries and what do you mean by it's going to be the differentiation is going to erode? So what I mean is when we look at uh, our CX index uh, data that you referred to earlier, which we study oh, uh, all kinds of industries in, in countries around the world, and uh, we've already seen for the past few years the, the point spread between the top scoring brand and the bottom scoring brand in an industry starting to get narrower and narrower, sort of regression to the mean, you might say. And we are going to see that expand to three-fourths of industries 
around the world next year. And the reason why, what's going on here is it's going to be an intensification of something we've already been seeing, which is that below average brands, you know, brands scoring below their industry average, especially those at the very bottom of their industry, are solving basic CX problems. They're filling the potholes. And so they're improving. However, the brands at the top, the brands that fixed the potholes a long time ago, aren't getting traction on big transformational CX stuff that's going to continue to, to boost their scores and really help them differentiate beyond their, their, their sort of co-leaders, their closest competitors. And so if the top brands are stagnating and in some cases declining, and the low-performing brands are improving, that means that the point spread is narrowing. And what that means is that customers are perceiving less and less difference in the quality of the customer experience that companies in the industry are providing. And, and that's... Uh, well, that's good for some brands and not so good for others. It's good if you're at if you're out toward the bottom because your customers are less likely to say, oh, I can get a much better experience over there. I'm going to go over there. But if you're an above average performer, that's not good news because the advantages you've been hoping to get from having a differentiated experience start to decay because your differentiation is decaying. And uh, as I say, we're going to, you know, we've already been seeing this, for example, in the U.S. just this year, uh, we've seen uh, uh, 10 of the 13 industries we study in the U.S. differentiation contracting, uh, five of the nine industries we study in Canada. In fact, for eight of the 11 countries around the world that we have year over year data on right now, um, we've seen at least one industry's differentiation contract this year. Sure, in the U.S., its industry is like banking, like uh, retail, like hotels, like airlines. And uh, uh, we're going to see a real tipping point for this uh, around the world next year. Three-fourths of industries around the world, that differentiation is going to really start to collapse. What levers do you anticipate CX leaders pulling to maybe reverse this trend that you're you're seeing in terms of differentiation, is there something there there that you you'd point to? Sure. the The key is going to be high performing brands that already have you know a a relatively differentiated customer experience. Um, they are going to need to take big shots by really focusing on a company-wide approach to what we call customer obsession that, that we've certainly talked about before, which is moving beyond this relatively insular approach to focusing on improving CX on a project-by-project -project basis or something like that. But when the whole company, all of its leadership, all of its strategies, every aspect of its everyday operations puts the customer at the center so that the, the entire company transforms the way it does business. And only then are these top performing companies going to make the big leaps or frankly, any company make the big leaps that it can make to, to provide a truly differentiated 
customer experience. And two things about this, this customer obsession transformation. One, CX leaders certainly play a key role here, but it goes far beyond the remit of any CX leader. This has to be a company-wide thing. It requires the work of CX leaders, but it's not nearly sufficient. And the second thing is that, is that a, a transformation toward customer obsession is available to any organization, whether they're all the way down at the bottom of the CX index, like healthcare.gov, or whether they're all the way up near the top, like some of our top performing brands that are already doing quite well, but need to make that, that customer obsessed transformative leap, like a, uh, like, a, like a Charles Schwab, for instance, right? or like a, a USAA. These companies already do very well, but if they're going to make that transformational leap that brings back their differentiation, which has been eroding, they've got to do better on a company-wide basis. So speaking of erosion, uh, you uh, made a call on the vendor and service landscape in one of your predictions as well. Uh, I think you were citing that there's going to be some consolidation or something. Tell us about that one. What was the call? So what we're saying is that one third of, of point solutions, CX tech providers, are going to get acquired by platform players. So these, these point solution providers, these are the, the CX related tech companies that offer a single specialty product or service like, um, like a design tool or a chat bot or a journey mapping application. Uh, and then uh, contrast that with the platform players, the, the large CX related tech companies that, um, that offer whole platforms, whole suites of, of integrated products. We've seen an uptick in acquisition of, of uh, uh, CX tech point solution providers over the past couple of years bits and pieces here and there. Uh, some of the platform players have been more active than others, of course, but there's going to be a sea change in this next year based on two factors. One, uh, many companies, uh, CX programs, want to have uh, a whole range of best-in-class CX solutions within a single platform. They don't want to have to buy something from these people and something from those people and something from somebody, somebody else. They want to have it all in one, in, in, uh, in one relationship you know, with a, with a vendor. And second, the economic turbulence is going to create a situation in which uh, many of these point solution CX tech providers um, are going to start to struggle financially. And that's going to, you know, make, uh, make their sale attractive to their investors. Um, and uh, so they're going to, you know, the, the price is going to be right, frankly, for a lot of platform players. Um, to uh, to start snapping up more of these than have been available for purchase in the past. So, Rick, if there is all this consolidation in 2023 and confined budgets, uh, so CX leaders don't have a ton of resources, they got to go to these consolidated platforms, then how are they actually going to differentiate if their competitors are using the same tools they are? Yes, this is this is a key. This has been a key factor for for CX programs and and for even bigger picture company strategies for for a long time. Uh, this is where uh, we've talked about digital sameness, right, at Forrester. 
uh, in many cases, you know, uh, remove the company logo and you couldn't tell the difference uh, based on, you know, based on the customer experience. This gets trickier if companies are using the same technologies, et cetera. But one of the, one of the biggest potential differentiators uh, here is, is strategy. One of the things we often see is companies wanting to mimic each other's CX strategies. In fact, no lie, just this, just earlier this afternoon, I was speaking with a client about their CX strategy, and they wanted me to send them uh, an example of another company's CX strategy so they could simply copy it. That doesn't work. Companies have their own brands. They have their own sets of customers. They're different companies. And more companies have to stop trying to do essentially the same CX stuff that every other company is doing, just maybe a little faster, just maybe a little easier. Have a differentiating CX strategy, and that costs nothing except creativity, except a bit of boldness. Um, and supporting it with quantitative and qualitative customer research, which is not expensive. So there is a there has to be a um, a willingness, a boldness to do that. Uh, and uh, one of the tricks in 2023 for this that I referred to earlier is is a lot of these programs are going to start to get more. Um, they're going to start to get locked out of some of those strategic conversations. And they're going to start to get pressure to focus more on project work. And that's why I said, you've got to resist that because strategy, strategy is important. It's not the only important thing, but it is, um, uh, it is the thing that can really drive, uh, uh, drive differentiation. And this need for strategy, and this is why you're saying from a, a skills standpoint that CX programs need more design skills, not less. They need to be trained up on the, on the importance of design. Yeah. That's exactly it. You know, as, as, as we, as we all know, you know, design is essentially a process for making something that works better for the people who need to use it. And that applies to strategy too. Uh, and, and CX teams that can use uh, design as a business discipline for the creation of strategy uh, can, can really help to, to set up a direction for their company's differentiation. Otherwise they're gonna get stuck essentially mimicking everybody else. All right, Rick. Well, uh, you're full of all kinds of good news for the CX leader. Uh, we talked erosion. We talked about programs disappearing, uh, a lack of skills, consolidation in the vendor community. Um, I don't know if there's any good news for 2023, but is there a, is there a, a recommendation for our CX community that you want to offer? Yeah, sure. I can offer some good news. The good news that I can offer is that getting started on some of the most important things like strategy, like being able to prove the ROI of your work, absolutely vital things, but not expensive things. And I already talked about how strategy costs very little. Uh, uh, similarly, proving the ROI of your work, the gap that, that most CX programs have is not a gap of technology that costs a lot to buy. It's a gap of measurement architecture, which is mostly, a, you know, which is mostly about understanding what needs to be done and putting in the personnel hours to start making it happen. It's not free, 
but it doesn't require a huge expense. It requires some knowledge. It requires some skill. It requires some bandwidth. And so I hope that by, by uh, putting out here our assessment that one in five CX programs is going to disappear, this is going to light a fire under a lot of CX programs to be able to prove their ROI and do these other things. And come the end of 2023, we're going to sh- see that none disappeared. I want people to come back in December of 2023 and say, look, Rick, Rick you were wrong. Um, because when that happens, I'm going to claim victory. Because I'm going to, I'm going to say, um, uh, we sounded the alarm and CX programs reacted. Um, and so that's going to be good news. Yeah. And just to be clear, you're not saying CX leaders should do more with less. You're saying that they should just be more strategic about the things that they do and the resources that they have. Absolutely. CX programs waste lots of resources. Um, So if you end up with less, do less. But uh, there are all kinds of things that CX programs can jettison that they probably didn't need to be doing to begin with. So Rick, I'd I'd love to hear about maybe one or two things that these CX leaders and their teams don't need to be doing or shouldn't be doing if uh, if that's you know chewing up some bandwidth unnecessarily. Uh, sure, one of the one of the places where we see CX programs waste resources, primarily personnel hours, but project funding and such as well, is improving parts of the customer experience that don't actually affect customer loyalty. This is when a CX program spends most of its time running around uh, uh, improving the things that customers complain about the most without checking to make sure that improving those things changes customer behaviors. Customers complain about all kinds of stuff that if you improve it, doesn't improve their loyalty. And oftentimes, CX programs don't have the, the data to, to uh, uh, figure out what those things are, but that data is not difficult to come by. It comes back to measurement architecture, again, usually, which is, which is more just about building something than about buying something. And uh, when CX programs can focus on the work that is actually going to improve loyalty, they're going to find that they're doing less stuff than they were before. And this is something we see time and again among companies that consistently and efficiently improve the quality of the customer experience, which is that they're actually doing less stuff than they had been before. They're just doing the right stuff. I love that because that just was a common thread throughout all of our predictions, right? Focus, focus on the things that matter. That's a good piece of advice to end on. Thanks so much. Great talking to you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. See ya. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.